Folks, have you checked out the Irish History Podcast shop recently? Right now, I have a sale of 30% off everything when you use the code SALE30. So go to irishhistorypodcast.ie forward slash shop and get 30% off everything when you use the discount code SALE30. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi folks, the following episode was recorded at various locations in North Kerry and tells the fascinating story of something called the Lartigue Monorail. The story of this unique train that operated in North Kerry between the 1880s and the 1920s and carried everything from livestock to tourists is fascinating. Now, the story of the monorail has its origins in the sands of the Sahara Desert of all places, but takes us right through to the beginnings of mass tourism in the west of Ireland. Before we begin, I want to thank everyone involved in the Lartigue Monorail and Museum who helped with this episode. Unfortunately, I couldn't include all the interviews. I want to especially thank John Looney, Martin Griffin and Michael Gearn. If you enjoyed the episode and want to find out more, you can actually ride on a reconstruction of this monorail in Listowel. Just check out Lartigue Monorail. It's a bit of an unusual spelling. Just check the show notes below for the link. Sound on today's episode was by Jason Looney and additional narrations are from Therese Murray. And finally, one last thing before we head to Kerry, I want to thank the new show supporters who signed up on Acast Plus and Patreon this week. In the coming days, I'm releasing the exclusive supporters only episode. This is an interview with Dr. Regina Donlan on the role returning migrants played in the revolutionary period. Now, this is fresh research and one of the last episodes I'll be making on the revolutionary period for a while. You can get this podcast and support the show on Acast Plus or patreon.com forward slash Irish podcast. You can find links in the show notes below. Now to begin today's episode, which, as you're about to hear, begins on a windswept beach in North Kerry. Hello and welcome to the Irish History Podcast. My name is Finn Dwyer and I'm recording today's show in the ruins of Ballybunion Castle, which overlooks the Atlantic Ocean in North Kerry. Now the show today is not about this castle. While it is a sight to behold, perched on a rocky outcrop overlooking a pristine beach, its history is somewhat obscure and indeed its future hangs by a thread given erosion threatens its very existence. 
But I've come to this part of the world for another story that's rooted in the surrounding landscape. But first I need to set the scene a bit. Ballybunion is one of Ireland's most famous beaches. Its heyday was back from the 1960s to the 1990s when this area didn't face as much competition for tourists from cheap Mediterranean sun holidays. Now it's really easy to see why people were, and indeed are, still drawn to Ballybunion. On either side of the castle is a beautiful beach stretching in both directions. Further up the coast, the scenery develops a dramatic quality as cliffs tower over the sea. Now the story though that I've come to tell is one that takes place a century earlier, back at the start of Ballybunion's tourist trade. This part of Ireland was still remote then, however it was opening up. A train line had reached Listowel, a town 10 miles inland by the 1880s, but despite lobbying from the local community, the powers that be had little interest in connecting Ballybunion into Ireland's growing rail network. It was claimed the investment simply wouldn't have been worth it. Then in 1886, a Frenchman, Charles Lartigue, inspired by watching camels in the Algerian deserts, brought a new, cheaper type of railway he had developed to a London exhibition. Lartigue's railway had only one track on which a carriage balanced. Two years later, using Lartigue's cheaper design, one of these, commonly known as a monorail, was built in this corner of North Kerry, linking Ballybunion to Listowel. Now, while the word monorail probably has lots of you thinking about that legendary Simpsons episode, the story behind this unique railway is fascinating. To continue the story, I'm going to drive along the route of the track to Listowel, where I'll be meeting up with a group of people who have rebuilt a section of the monorail. While I'm making my way over to Listowel, this newspaper article gives you some sense of this pretty unusual railway. Cork Constitution, March 1st, 1888. Listowel and Ballybunion, the latter a small watering place on the Kerry shore of the Shannon, near the mouth of that glorious river, are both on the tiptoe of expectation over the opening of the new railway which has just been completed, connecting the thriving town of Listowel with the, though little known, nevertheless charming seaside village. Until now, Ballybunion has been 10 miles from the nearest railway station, and it is not only to have a railway of its own, but it is to be the first place in the United Kingdom to be honoured with a railway on an entirely new system. The railway itself is unlike all the existing ideas of a railway as it could well be. The words single rail are by no means a misnomer. The engine, the carriages and the wagons are borne on one rail, and although there are subsidiary rails, none of the weight of the train tests upon them. The top rail, on which the weight of the train rests, is at a height of about 3 feet 6 inches from the ground. The drive was about 20 minutes, and on reaching Listowel, I made my way to the Lartigue Monorail and Museum. It was there I met members of the local committee who have rebuilt a section of the monorail and they began to tell me the fascinating story of the railway. While we'll talk about the actual design of the monorail later in the episode, John Looney and Martin Griffin explained how this completely new and unique railway was first built in rural North Kerry in the 1880s. Uh, like the, the, the main reason for it in the first place was the Great Southern Railway had the trains from Limerick, Listowel, on to Tralee and so on. So people from Limerick would come to Listowel to go to the seaside. But once they got to Listowel, there was no way of getting to the seaside. 
and Ballybunner was very popular back then as a seaside resort. First of all, they, they, they thought they'd use a tram, tram system to get to Ballybunnen because Ballybunnen was opening up. So they needed to get more people out there and the Hoston Trap wasn't going to be the system for the future. So local politicians and so on, the parish priest in Ballybunnen agitated to get a line, a spur line to Ballybunnen. But the Great Southern Railway said no, wouldn't pay, not commercial. So that's how they, they started looking for an alternative. Lartigue had tried out his monorail in London and he was mad anxious to get a place to open up the railway so other com countries would come involved and maybe buy the rail system from him. John and Martin mentioned a man called Lartigue there. Now he was the designer of this type of railway track and in fact his name is, is synonymous with the monorail in North Kerry. In fact you'll hear both used interchangeably throughout the show. John explained where Lartigue developed his ideas for the monorail. Lartigue's original idea came from the, the camel trains in Algeria. The camels with the panniers on, on each side, that's where he got the idea. And originally his idea was to build it for, for desert places. If you put a con conventional railway in the desert, it would get covered in sand. Now North Kerry is the only commercially viable Lartigue monorail ever constructed, so I was pretty curious about its origins in the Sahara Desert. Now to this end, I spoke to Michael Gearn. Michael is a Listowel native and an expert on the history of the monorail, having published a book on it in 1988. He explained more about Charles Lartigue and how he found inspiration for the train in the Sahara. In 1856, he became a civil engineer for a firm in Algeria. And he was watching camels taking their this esparto grass, which is used for making pulp for books. And uh, the camels were not very efficient in doing it. So uh, Lartigue then was watching the camels carrying the esparto grass, uh, pannier style across their back, he saw that the sand did not interfere with the transmission. If they were to lay an ordinary railway line, a flat to the ground, needless to say, the sand would interrupt the whole thing. So he designed an elevated line. It was over a metre high across the desert. Now, there was no engine. It was mule-powered. Uh, we have a little uh, some drawings of of it, and it proved to be quite successful and they transferred away more uh, grass efficiently using that uh, particular method in Algeria. Lartigue would take his design to London in the 1880s and it was at this point that the people of North Kerry wanted to connect Ballybunion to Listowel, as John and Martin explained earlier. While Lartigue was eager to try out his railway. It suited the people of Kerry because it was much cheaper, as Martin now explains. Well, the single, a single line system, naturally enough, you have only one rail to deal with. It's a much lighter system than, say, a main line railway. And at the time, it was the cheaper option rather than the main line railway. So, in one sense, it, it suited the people that, at the time because they didn't have much money. So this system was built much cheaper. I think about a third of the price of, of a mainline railway. So he started here in 1887 and in just under six months they had the whole system built. 
So the Dartigue monorail opened in 1888. I asked historian Michael Gearn about who exactly used this unusual train when it opened. Uh, the main purpose for the people in Ballybunnan was to send their children to St. Michael's College in Lestole uh, to be educated, but also to exploit the tourism potential of Ballybunnan. This issue of tourism is something that I think many of us find surprising. When we think of rural Kerry in the late 19th or early 20th century, we don't necessarily think of mass tourism. But Michael read a contemporary account from his book On the Monorail that reveals how Ballybunion, aided by the Lartigue Railway, could provide a huge range of attractions for tourists. The beach is dotted with quaint mobile dressing boxes, uh, while men and women dash in and out of the Atlantic breakers. Children paddling in various pools on the rocks are at the cliff edge. Other children are sliding down the sand cliffs overlooking the beaches, which we did. Seabed bats are provided for the health conscious. A bright array of towels adorn the outside, hanging up to dry in the brilliant sunshine. Three large gondola-type boats are provided for boat trips. Tours wishing to overview the spectacular cliffs. The monorail didn't just carry people, though. In fact, there was nothing this railway didn't carry, as Martin and John now explain. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. But they also carried cattle, mainly cattle, pigs. They transported butter from the local farmers around the Valley Bunning area and brought it into the store for, for, uh, for sale. And the other big thing was bringing sand from Valley Bunning. And what was that used for? That, the farmers just used, spread sand in the land and for building, I suppose, as well. But lots of sand was brought in from Valley Bunning. So there was a little line from Valley Bunning down to the, the shore to bring the sand up. When I asked Michael Gearn about this, it quickly became apparent that the monorail was actually essential to the local economy in the area. George Hewson was the local landlord, but he practically owned Ballybunham. Now, he was exporting both butter and salmon to the London market. And the way it was done was from the Lartigue uh, in Ballybunham onto the Stowe Railway Station, onto Limerick, or maybe truly, and it was a very lucrative business for him. Needless to say, the river field was teeming with salmon at that particular time. And uh, you, 
Hewson's uh, butter was supposed to be uh, a prime product as such. Now, the other thing that he had, he owned the sand hills in Ballybunnan. And the farm, they had special sand wagons built. They were like little hoppers at each side of the track. And uh, he, they laid an extension down to the sand hills in Ballybunnan. And they could load sand onto those. And the sand then was brought into the stall for farmers for agricultural purposes. And it was uh, fed from there all over North Kerry and West Limerick. It served uh, that particular function. Now, the experience of taking the Lartigue monorail was quite something. Martin and John told me some great stories and accounts from people who used the Lartigue. But it was down for a 40-minute trip, but they said it was never done in 40 minutes to be an hour, an hour plus, because they'd stop for people on the way and... There could be a cow on the line that would block the rail and all this thing held up. But then back then, as people said, nobody was in a hurry, so it suited people. Right, and then you had three different classes, first, second and third. Okay. And the first class were w- well looked after. The third class were, were more or less out in the weather. And there's a story told that on the way into Ballybunion, at a place called Afona, there's a, a gradient on the track. And the kids used to rub soap along the track. So when the train would come, it would go so far and just start to slide back again. And the cry then was, first class passengers stay where you are, second class passengers out and walk, third class passengers out and push. (laughs) So uh, that's how they remedied the situation. Because the railway was raised off the ground, farmers along the route had drawbridges which they could lower over the track to move livestock back and forth, which led to some humorous incidents, as John now explains. The, uh, the other thing about the, the, the belly button, um, for, for farmers' crossings, a lot of them were little drawbridges, and the farmers actually had the right of way. So if a farmer was coming across the field with a load of hay or something and the train was coming, the bridge would be dropped down, the train would have to stop and let the farmer cross. Much of this experience was dictated by the strange design of the train. So a monorail, as we've heard, had just one track, which was raised nearly four feet off the ground. The locomotive and carriages were constructed with a deep groove down the middle so they could rest on this track. In this situation, balance was hugely important, and whether it was passengers, livestock or sand, each side of the train had to be of equal weight. As Martin explained, when people visit Listowel to ride on the monorail today, this is still something that amazes them. I think what's unique about it, more than anything else that fascinated people when they come here, is the fact that they have to be balanced, uh, evenly balanced on one side of the, of the carriage just to the other. Because if you have too much weight to one side, it's going to cause damage to both to the rail and to the running system, of the wheel system of the of the carriages. So balance is very, very important. And people enjoy the fact that they could be put into one side of the carriage and then told get out and move to the opposite side. Because we even had a family here one day, a, a coach store, and a husband and wife came out and we were splitting them up as they went out the back door to go left or go right. And the man said to me, it's the first time in 40 something years that himself and his wife were separated. But they were together again after five minutes when they'd done the run down to the end. This need for balance led to some bizarre but ingenious innovations in terms of carrying livestock. Where cattle were concerned, 
Uh, they had special cattle wagons, and they had, uh, if you had a cow, whatever the average weight of a cow would be, to counteract that, they'd get two calves at the opposite side. So for the return trip, they had a calf for either side. The Kerry monorail reached its height in 1913. In that summer, over 70,000 people travelled on the line, as Michael Gearn explains. So the Larty was very successful in the summertime. For instance, in 1913, it carried up to 70,000 passengers. That was third class and 4,000 first class. The outbreak of the First World War the following summer ushered in a decade of warfare in Ireland that would only end with the conclusion of the Civil War. During that conflict, the monorail was targeted by the IRA when Free State soldiers started to use it to move around North Kerry, as Michael Gearn explains. Between June 22 and 23, there was over uh, 20 attacks on the trains the North Kerry line and the LRT. The store station was wrecked at first. Uh, the Zelton station was burned to the ground, Ballybunham burned to the ground, and it was a particularly vicious period in North Kerry. These repeated attacks spelled the end of the monorail. The Free State Government would, over the following decades, run down Ireland's rail network, and the monorail was one of the first to go. While it ceased operating in 1924, you can visit Listowel and take a trip on the monorail that's been reconstructed at the museum. To finish, John Looney explains what you'll find when you visit the Lartigue Museum. So you come in here to the museum, there's a little cinema there to the side, where there's a footage of the original Lartigue in operation, and then the main line later on, and the, the closing down of the the last train on the main line out of Listowel as well. So you have all the, all the various artefacts here in the museum from the main line, from Lartigue and from Marconi. You have all that. Um, the train ride then consists of, it's about a third of a mile of track. So, and on it there are three swi- three, uh, two switches and two turntables. So you, you get to see exactly how the train functioned uh, how the line switched from one to the other and how the engine was turned. It had to be, you took it from one end of the train, you brought it down onto the turntable, turned it, and then it had to go on to the other end of the train to go the other direction again. I'd like to thank everyone who gave me their time in Listowel. Next week's show is going to be on a completely different topic. I'm bringing you into Dublin City Library's archives, which is normally off-limits to the public. This is where millions of documents relating to Irish history are stored. But in next week's show, I'll be explaining a new initiative that promises to revolutionise history. This facilitates ordinary people, no matter where you live in the world, to get involved in transcribing historical documents, something that will be integral to future histories not yet written. That's all coming in next week's show. Until then, Sloan.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.